It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on 95.5 WSB. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center, playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.07 on a Saturday morning, 57.6 degrees outside right now. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, and I'm here to help you be more successful doing whatever you want to do or don't want to do on a day like today when it's raining outside. You'd rather not do anything. Maybe you want to do some uh, indoor gardening, a little houseplant repotting, maybe some ideas about what you can grow, what you can buy, and where they should be in the house. Now that cooler weather is coming, all those patio plants that you had outside for the summertime, where can we put them inside to keep them healthy for the for the wintertime? Lots of questions this morning. The way to get to me is to call 404-872-0750. It is, it is amazing sometimes how much you can learn, how much you can see by looking in a different angle from what you normally do. And I have an example of that in my neighborhood. I walk up and down the street in my neighborhood at least three times a week, more than that, really. And usually I'm looking at everybody's landscape. I look at their shrubbery, look at their flowers, look at their uh, other things in the landscape, their lawn, of course, just to see how they're doing. I want to see if I see any problems, any weeds that have popped up. I want to identify them, be sure I'm sort of prepared for the Saturday morning. But this week, earlier in the week, one of my friends, Missy, down the street, has another friend, Tom, across the street from her. And Tom looked up, not across like Walter does, looked up. Tom said to Missy, look, Missy, your pine tree is all brown right now. All the needles on that pine tree by the street are brown. It's probably dead. What are you going to do about it? Well, Missy looked up, too, and said, well, doggone. It is brown. What are we going to do about that? Both of them turned to each other and said, well, let's call Walter and see what he says to do about that. So sure enough, they called me, and I went down and took a look at the pine tree, and yeah, it's all brown. It's not going to come back. Pine trees, once it's all turned brown, they are not going to come back. Not like a tulip poplar or a maple or something. When they lose their leaves, they'll come back many times. But a pine tree that turns brown, not going to come back, no sir. But for me... A guy like me is is always thinking, well, what made it turn brown? What killed that pine tree? There's another 10 easily pine trees in her front yard. Why one and not the others? So we went into into her house in a garage and got a little hatchet and a little uh, claw hammer and took the claw hammer and just beat on the bark a little bit so I could pull the bark away from the tree. Wasn't going to happen. That is a tree that didn't die uh, 10 years ago. That tree died recently. It died just in the last couple of weeks or three. And so you couldn't pull the bark away. And that's one of the ways you can see pine beetles in pine trees is by being able to pull the bark away. You see little S-shaped galleries where they board underneath the bark. And pine beetles are very common and easy to see and very common in um, drought years when you have a real dry summer. Usually the pine beetles will go down underneath the bark of a tree, and then you got dead pine trees. But I couldn't pull the bark away. So the pine beetles had not been in there, or to my knowledge, had been in there at all. What else could it be? What else could kill a pine tree? Hmm. If it's not beetles and borers, could it be termites? Well, 
termites don't eat live trees. That I know. So it was probably was not the termites. No, no, no termites to be seen anywhere. We didn't see any, any bugs or flyers or anything like that. So probably not termites. What else is killed the pine tree? The only thing so far that I think is going on is drought. Now, why it got that tree and didn't get the other 10 in the front yard, I have no idea. Why that is, I have no idea. But I will be Johnny on the spot. I'll be right there when the tree guy comes next week to take the tree down because I want to see if I can figure out why this pine tree died. And if you have a dead plant in your landscape, there's always a bit of information you need to take and figure it out and find out why that plant died and correct your maintenance, correct your care, so it doesn't, doesn't die again. So if you see a pine tree, it's all brown up top, and that would be a good idea to do. Go out and walk around when it's not raining today. Look at the top of the tree and see if you see any brown needles. And by this tree here, it was brown all the way top to bottom. Again, not going to come back. A few needles brown here and there, no big deal. Some of the trees shed this time of year. And a few brown needles here and there with a lot of, a lot of green needles is no big deal. But if you see a lot of pine trees with a lot of brown needles, that pine tree is not going to be here for very long. It's going to become firewood. And I guess uh, Missy will get some firewood this year. 404-872-0750 is my number on Lawn and Garden. Let's go to the phones. Who should we talk to? One, two, three, four, five, six people here. Let's go to Nicole and Griffin, my friend Nicole. Hey, Nicole, good morning. Mr. Reeves. Mr. Nicole, good morning. Good morning. You see, um, I didn't want to call this morning because uh, I was a little tired. I had a long yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, but I when, came in this morning just so I could talk to you. So if you had not called, I would have been very disappointed. All right. But uh, when uh, when you say you uh, the people that live around you, yeah. oh, God, I don't think you can live next to me, Mr. Reeves. <laughs> you are too much pressure. Well, what about me? I feel very much pressure myself. I'm scared they're going to look at my yard and say, oh, boy, that's not much to look at. Reeves doesn't know what he's doing. That's what I think sometimes. Oh, God, I said, boy, oh, boy, if you live around me, around my house, it will go in the backyard and be really disappointed. <laughs> Excuse me. I agree with you, Nicole. Sometimes there's a lot of pressure both on you and on your neighbors, too, to look good for the other people in the neighborhood. Uh, there's a lot of pressure outside, and there's a lot of pressure inside, and there's pressure from everywhere. Yeah, right. So what else is going on in your landscape? Other than pressure in your landscape, what else is going on this, this week? Well, I, I saw a little uh, uh, round, uh, it's a fungus that go. it's an old centipede lawn. I see brown patch, you have centipede yes. decline, you have centipede, I'm sure there are others. Well, I was thinking that last year when it rained so much, yeah. the ground get compacted. Yeah. And it's worse around the house, isn't it? Because away when uh, underneath the trees they have little rest and it's not so hot in summer, Maybe you know, so. for the lawn. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's the end of it, or can, what can we do? Right now? You know, one of the things we're going to have this morning, Nicole, my friend Clint Waltz, who lives not too far from you down in Griffin, and who is the University of Georgia turf specialist. Clint is the man with a plan when it comes to knowing what to do about homeowner lawns, centipede, Bermuda, zoysia, anything you got. Clint knows what to do about it. So we're going to have him on. He'll be on in a while. And when he comes on, if you want to call again, you can ask him about centipede and diseases and things like that. Or if you'll tell me the question you want me to ask, I'll ask it to him verbatim from you. What do you want to know specifically from Clint? 
If it is this fungus, I know there's more a uh, new blend of grass that is uh, uh, more resilient to fungus. Because this old centipede lawn probably been here for 40, 50 years. It but I was thinking to have it redone. It may not be fungus that it's resistant to. It's cold, perhaps, because one of the newer varieties, it's not new in the sense of five years old, but in the last 20 or 30 years, a variety of centipede has come along called Tiff Blair because it was developed up in Blairsville where it's really cold, and they wanted a centipede variety that we could tolerate cold weather. And so Tiff Blair is the newest, newest uh, centipede variety, and it withstands cold weather very nicely as well as hot weather and drought and things like that. So uh, maybe you need to get some Tiff Blair centipede seed. Seed? Yeah. Got some seed. Okay. Uh, this time of the year would be uh, like Christmas would be uh, better. No, we're not going to plant it. Plant the seed now. We'll wait. You'll buy the seed if you want to now, but we'll plant it in early May, maybe next year. When it's warmed up good next year, early May, that's when we'll plant centipede seed. What about those grass that they sell at the farmer market, you know, those big square, those big rolls? Yeah, you know, that's another one. There's been a lot of improvement in the different um, varieties of zoysia and Bermuda grass. And one of the most exciting, I think, Bermuda grass varieties that's been around, just come around in the last three or four years, maybe, is called Tiff Tough Bermuda. And this is another one. The University of Georgia said we need a, a Bermuda grass that does not turn brown when it gets dry. We need something that's more drought tolerant than we have. And so they bred, and they was crossbred, they bred back again, and finally found a, a crossbreed of Bermuda grass that would stay green most of the summertime. You had to really, really stress it to make it turn brown. And so now Tiff Tough can only be sold by sod. It doesn't have seeds. It's a hybrid, so it doesn't have seeds or anything. But Tiff Tough Bermuda grass is really, really looking good. Better than Tiff Way, Tiff 419, those ones we commonly see. Uh, what time this man's going to be on radio, Mr. Lee? Oh, I don't know, because I didn't say specifically Clint when he was going to be here. He, I said you could be here any time between 7 and 9 is what I said. All right, all right. So we'll find out. Yeah, I'm so lucky because uh, I don't live not too far from the uh, UGA campus, and exactly. I couldn't go and talk to him. Yeah, exactly. Well, Nicole, it's time for me to get out of here, but it's great talking to you once again. And again, if you don't show up on Saturday, I'm very disappointed. <laughs> Enjoy your day. See you next Saturday. Bye. Enjoy your day as well. In the next uh, half hour, Princess Stella from Maine, from Maine, needs some relationship advice with roses. We'll see if we know anything about that. At 617, we'll be back after this. It's Scott Slate. Did you know you can listen to Walter Reeves on Saturday mornings on your Amazon Echo or Dot? And me too, weekday mornings. Just say, Alexa, play WSB. And we're on 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's news and talk. Here's Walter. Hope so. Hope your baby tells you all the time that she loves you. 
I'll tell you right now that I'm loving the weather forecast for today. 100% chance of rain. And we have needed rain for what? Months, months now. 100% chance of rain today. 10% tomorrow. 10% on Monday. But today, enjoy the rain. High of, 50, of 61, low of 54 today. Tomorrow, a little bit sunnier, so it's high of 77, low of 57. Then Monday, high of 77, low of 61. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on 95.5 WSB. Stella, oh, I need to say my number, 404-872-0750. And here's our friend Stella in Maine, who joins us in Lawn and Garden. Hey, Stella, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank Thank you for taking my call. I'm uh, as a huge Minnis fan. I'm I'm really excited to uh, to be talking to you. Wow, good for you! I'm so glad you're talking to me. Thank you. Okay, so I have a little problem here. My boyfriend Steve. Um, a little backstory. He tends to tell lies every so often. Oh, mercy. He also is the type who just, you know, whenever we go somewhere, he has to take his shirt off. It's kind of annoying. <laughs> and um, basically, he's just a little bit of a doucher. Uh, keep going. So what happened here was our wireless company offered him, because we're really loyal um, customers, they offered him a free dozen roses and he decided to send them to rich keller her sister instead of me no no yeah and like i've heard she's really attractive i don't know it's kind of upsetting yeah of course so what are we going to do about this well i don't know it feels like i'm being invited to my own funeral you know what i mean yeah 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 well stella so i'm just over here like do 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 i really like roses yeah you don't want to be chopped liver. No, you don't want right. to be chopped liver. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> well, Stella, I can't advise very well on the relationship advice, but I can tell you how to grow roses that will make your boyfriend so jealous that he oh, wants to be with you yeah. all the time and say, Stella, 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 please take me back because your roses <laughs> are so pretty. That? Yes, that's exactly what I'm looking for. So what part of Maine, or tell me more about the climate around where you live. I'm in central Maine, okay. so I'm not on the coast and where, this... you know, we've already got some frost going on. Right, yeah. <laughs> How uh, cold does it get in the wintertime? Oh, in the negatives. Ooh. I know, you're yeah. Pretty rose, chilly. You're going to be a rose mulcher then because roses... Might have to be next next spring. <laughs> yeah, we'll plant them next spring. Certainly we're not going to do anything right now. It's too cold. But um, in the north part of the country... The roses have to be mulched during the wintertime. The stems and, and branches have to be mulched to protect them from the cold weather. They'll freeze otherwise. And so what okay. you'll do, after you plant them next spring, we dig a big hole. You know that part will cover that for you. You dig that nice big hole. And then when the cold weather approaches, about this time of year next year, we'll bend the roses over to the side and cover them with uh, pine straw or whatever the local light-colored or lightweight mulch material is. And that okay. will protect them for the wintertime. The easiest rose that I have found is the Rugosa rose. Rugosa roses do great in Maine. I saw a field one time that was probably a quarter mile long and a quarter mile wide, covered in Rugosa roses. So what I would start with, Stella, uh, is the Rugosa rose. I would talk to the local rose folks, the local nurseries who know something about roses, plant them correctly in the spring, bend them over and mulch them in the fall. I promise those rugosas will look so, so pretty, and your boyfriend will just want to be with you the entire time. Tell them we got to go. We'll be back after news.
It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on 95.5 WSB. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center, playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It is 636 and 56 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, and I'm here to help you be more successful doing whatever you want to do. All you have to do is call 404-872-0750. 404-872-0750 to get your call in this morning. One of the things I'm also looking for this year, or actually next year is what I'm looking for. Remember I talked just now about the pine trees with pine borers, but the Leland cypresses and Yoshino um, cryptomerias, also there are a lot of them turning brown around the metro Atlanta area. I notice them as I drive down highway and byway in Atlanta. And I'm wondering if the drought this year is going to have some delayed effect on the Leland's. It has some immediate effect on some, but I'm worried that next year in May or June of next year, we'll have a lot more of Leland cypresses that say, boy, this was really dry last year. And their root system just dries up and is not able to support what the tree is putting on next year. And so the whole tree goes down south. One of the things that happens to, to Leland cypresses is they have very thin bark, very thin bark. So when it gets dry, the Leland, the bark tends to have cracks in it, little bitty cracks. It just opens up a little bit. Well, each one of those cracks is a place where the fungus that wants to come in and uh, grow a little bit on the sap of the Leland cypress can do so. And so when you have cracks in the bark of the Leland cypress, that's when the, when the ceridium fungus, ceridium canker fungus comes in. And the ceridium canker signs on the Leland cypress are very easy to notice because it means that there's a limb, so it's sticking out of the side of a Leland, it turns brown completely, it's completely brown. And then another one up higher, completely brown. Not the whole tree yet, but one down low, completely brown. So if you see a Leland that has various little limbs on it that are turning brown, you can't quite figure out what's going on. Go into the tree, look at the limb, the place where you sort of think there might be the origin of the cankering, the origin of the browning on the limb, and take a little dull knife and scrape. Scrapes the bark a little bit, and I think you might find there's some cankers in there. The cankers look like sort of dark brown. They'll ooze a little bit, a little sap coming out of them. They don't look healthy at all. And that is the origin place of the ceridium canker on Leland cypress, caused mostly by stress, by drought. If you find them on a Leland, prune out those limbs quickly and immediately. Don't leave them on the tree because the fungus that is cast off by those infected limbs then infects other limbs on your trees, other limbs in other neighborhood trees. So it could be a real problem for the rest of the neighborhood. 404-872-0750 gets you in this morning to get your question answered. And speaking of scraping, <clears throat> I think last uh, Saturday I talked about my friend Jeff Potter who brought me in some magnolia limbs that he had taken the time to scrape. And that was important in this case because when he scraped the magnolia limbs, he was able to show me why magnolia trees have little tufts of seven, eight maybe leaves at the ends of the branch, and there's no real causative force. You just can't quite figure out why did that magnolia tuft die. And again, this is one of those where it's just one limb here, one limb there, one limb back on the other side of the tree, not the whole tree at all, turning brown. So Jeff took his little pocket knife and scraped away the bark and said, look here, look at these little holes. And the holes were the holes made by a black twig borer. Black twig borer is a really common 
um, insects around Atlanta. It attacks not so much the magnolias, but other evergreen trees, laurels, for instance, and some more. And the black twig borer then <clears throat> gets into the into the sap part of the tree and causes the sap to stop flowing. And then the end of the branch goes ahead and dies. And then when that tip of the branch has died, the whole thing drop, falls to the ground. And those little black twig borers, the little black twig borers then are protected for the wintertime. They hatch out next spring and they go looking for another magnolia tree in the neighborhood that they can infect. One more example of when you see a brown limb on a magnolia or again on Leland cypress, Prune them out quickly. Don't leave them in the, in the landscape because if you leave them in the landscape, they can infect other plants in the landscape pretty easily. Oh, mercy, let's go to the phone. The number again, 404-872-0750. Anne is in Atlanta with another rose question. Anne, good morning. Mine is a Lenten rose. Okay. And I wonder when it's time to trim them back, like you said last year. Boy, Anne, I am hopeful that you would remind me this year to do it in December. Okay. Last year, I made a note to myself, sort of a mental note that said, prune linden roses in December and take away all the old sort of raggedy purple growth that you have from this year. And then the new growth that comes on in January and February looks so much nicer. Just it so did. much I, better. Last year, but I'd forgotten when I did it. I'm going to keep an eye on mine. If I, it seems like most of, the, most of the foliage and leaves are real brown, purple, ugly looking. I think any time you want to do it between now and December would be fine, and we may decide to do it today or next next weekend, perhaps. But you look at the leaves and see what what it is that um that it looks like it needs to be taken off now. And if so, go ahead and do it. Okay, thank you. You bet, Ann. Thanks so much for calling. Four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty is the number on Lawn and Garden. Barry is in Bogart, Georgia. Hey, Barry. Good yes. morning. Yes, sir, Walter. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm just got a question about uh. Plug in some centipede uh, plugs. If you take post hole diggers yeah. and dig out a, a, a plug out of your yard in another area, yeah. and you've got four to six inches of dirt below that, would it survive during the winter? Pretty easily, although I think four to six inches deep is a gracious plenty, Barry. You don't need it to be that deep. Okay. Um, honestly, two inches would be fine, I think, for centipede grasses. The roots don't go down six inches. There's no real reason to pull up all that dirt. And okay. so you can use a post hole digger. There's a bulb planter that I have that does pretty much exactly what I want to do. It goes about two inches, three inches, maybe down the ground. And I put it where I want to <clears throat> take a plug away and stomp it with my boot and pull it up. And it has a nice three-inch plug. And right. then go to the next place, stomp it with my boot, pulls up the plug that I transplant it into. Will they survive during the winter and make it spring? Man, 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 man. How many are you going to do? One or well, I've got about I've got about 400 square foot area. Yeah. It depends. It's sort of a gamble. Sort of a gamble, Barry. <clears throat> cold okay. temperatures, I mentioned to the caller a while ago, cold is not what centipede is fond of. Yeah. And so depending on how the temperatures go this winter, I'm just not sure that transplanting and trying to get centipede to grow this time of year would be successful. Right. But if you just had, you know, 10 to 15, 20, I'd be willing to try and see. Yeah, right. I'd say go ahead and do it. Why not? Find out oh. what's going on. Okay. Thanks, sir. You bet, Barry. Thanks for calling. <laughs> 404-872-0750 is my number. And by the way, Clint Waltz will be here in just a minute. And we can take all of your questions about lawns, about grasses, about anything you need to know about your lawn and how to care for it correctly. Bonnie is in Buford, Georgia. Hey, Bonnie, good morning. Good morning. Can you hear me? I can hear you great. 
Thank you, Walter. Thanks for not taking my call. You just mentioned that there are certain trees or shrubs where some of the branches are turning brown. Yeah. And, I, you know, I've lived on my property now for some years. I have a stand of three uh, lacosas. Lacosas, I'm not sure how to say it. Lacosas, maybe? Lacosas okay. is a yeah. shrub that um, commonly is And they have little tiny, uh, little tiny white blossoms and okay. spring. Sounds good. Yeah. Lacosas, yeah. Okay, and um, for the first time this year, I've noticed that this is this is a huge stand. Again, this is, these have been set here probably for twenty years, yeah. and now they're individual branches or you know, stems. Mm. They're kind of long and flowing. I don't trim them very much. I yeah. love the normal habitat habit, um, and and they're turning brown. All the leaves are turning brown, like a one stem here and a one stem over there. And I've never seen it do that before. Is there something yeah. I should say? This is another one of those where I hate what I'm about to tell you. I hate saying it to you. And what I hate telling you is there's a different borer completely called the uh, bay borer, the eastern bay borer. And the eastern bay borer gets into sassafras plants. It gets into uh, leucosui, some of the other sort of shade-tolerant evergreen shrubberies you see outside. And it causes the same symptoms that you've already heard me talk about, a branch here, a branch there, a branch over there. So what I would do, Bonnie, just for the science and interesting just discovery of information part, get you a dull knife and go out and sort of cut away a branch and scrape it real nicely and just see what you see underneath the bark. If you see little pinholes, yep, Eastern Bay Borer. And if you do find it, Bonnie, I want you, yes, you, to tell me next Saturday morning and say, hey, I called you last Saturday and talked about my leucosity that wasn't doing so good. And I found the pinholes. Please tell me, Bonnie, because it helps me to educate other people about what might be going on in their landscapes, too. Okay, I'll sure do that. Now, you're talking about the branches that there's green to see pinholes or the ones that are already brown? The ones that are already brown. Brown. Just as a spot where it turns from green to the brown part, to the dead part. That's where I want to get the scrape from. Okay. I'll do that. I'll photograph it as well. All right, good. That'd be great, Bonnie. Yeah, well, what should I do about it, though? I mean, is there anything I can do about it? or just uh, Prune them, them out. Uh, you know, that's the thing. If it is a borer, if you find those pinholes and we are just we know what we're doing, then, then you prune out every one of the branches and dispose of them. Don't leave them on your property. Don't compost them. Dispose of them completely. Get them out of the, out of the landscape. Do I need to spray it with anything as well? I don't think so. It's hard to time when you spray for borers because they're only active for certain times during the spring, depending on the temperature, depending on the humidity. And so if I say to you, hey, Bonnie, you ought to spray first right. of May, first of February, whatever, you might spray then, and they wouldn't be really active for another three weeks. So you miss sort of the spray period that's most, uh, most uh, uh, appropriate. So what we do, I have a idea, a, a plan actually for a trap for the borer beetles that uses ethyl alcohol, of all things, regular ethyl alcohol. And uh, you put a little trap made out of an ethyl alcohol container and a uh, two-liter Coke bottle. And you put it out and keep an eye on it every, every few days. And when you start seeing those little, little, little blackberry, like beetles, little black beetles come into the ethyl alcohol and drown, then you say, it's time for Bonnie to spray right now. Uh, and you said they don't normally, or they're not really active until springtime. Yeah. Yeah, they so they, a little bit during the summer, a little bit during the fall, but mostly it's in the spring. Okay. Hmm. All right. Okay. Let me know. All right, Bonnie. Thanks, thanks for calling. 
404-872-0750 is my number. It's 647. We'll be back after this. It's Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on 95.5 WSB. The news and traffic teams will be here first thing Monday morning to help you get to work on time and informed. Now back to Walter Reeves and his lawn and garden expertise on 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's News and Talk. Every time I look All it takes is one look from you. Look outside this morning and say, you know, it is raining outside. 100% chance of rain today, 10% tomorrow, 10% Monday. Today, the high only 61, low tonight 54. Sunday, 77 degrees is the high, 57 is the low. And on Monday, 77 and 61, the range is there. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes with News 95.5 WSB. And Larry in Brazelton joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Larry, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Sure do enjoy your show. Thank you, Larry. What's up? Well, I'm laying out a line of Howard Island gunstrums. uh, And due to the lay of the land, some of these plants are going to be kind of close to the driveway. And I'm figuring that uh, they might want to crack that concrete on down the road. Mm-hmm. Is that right, or do I should I worry about that? And how if close? So, how far? Do you mean? How close are you going to distance? plant them to the to the driveway, Larry? Excuse me. How close will you plant it to the driveway? Some of these could be uh, four or five feet. Hmm. How tall are you going to let it grow? The, the, I, I'm sorry, gust- Walter. How tall will you let the gusher grow? Oh, uh, uh, six feet. My prediction is no problem. If you said red maple, if you said oak tree, if you said some other sort of big deciduous uh, shade trees, then yeah, you got problems. But I don't think that five feet away is going to be enough root diameter for it to grow over the next you know several years as it gets up to a six feet height. I just don't think it's going to be enough growth there that'll have a chance of cracking your your driveway. One thing you could do too, Larry, is if you <clears throat> get a trencher or a shovel, I guess, and go out and make a trench about 10, 12 inches deep along the edge of the concrete, along the edge of the driveway, and drop in some aluminum or fiberglass flashing. And the fiberglass or aluminum, if you drop it down for 8 to 10 inches, then that keeps the roots from coming in from the ligustrum and keeps it away from the concrete anyway. So that's another tactic, just to keep them completely away from the edge of the concrete pad. So put some some aluminum down beside the driveway itself. Aluminum flashing, get it from the uh, Home Depot, Lowe's, places like that. Aluminum flashing comes in rolls, and it can be anywhere from ten to eighteen inches wide. And you decide how long of a roll you need, and drop it in. Yeah. Okay, so I'll be good to go then. Yeah. You're gonna feel real tired after you you dig that trench, Larry. You're gonna feel real tired, like you really need to rest for a while. Um. I'm sorry. I say, you, say you're going to feel real tired after you finish all that digging. It's going to be a real hard job to dig. But if you get it dug, you don't have to do it again. So that'll be a great thing. It's 6.57 at News Talk WSB. This is Lawn and Garden. Clint Waltz from the University of Georgia Turf Department is here this morning. If you have a lawn or garden grass question, 404-872-0750. We'll be back after news. 